It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Jason, would you be up for having a really open, vulnerable discussion? Yeah, in, in, in a general sense or something specific? You know that it's something specific. But I don't know exactly how you want to ask me or engage me on this on this subject. Well, I mean, you already know what we want to talk about. I mean, it's no surprise that we discuss an episode before we start recording. I'll go deep, yeah. Okay. I'll crack it open. I'll crack a toa. Do you want to just explain what crack a toa yeah, means? I, yeah, I can't just leave that <laughs> hanging, can I? We have a lot of inside jokes, and so sometimes I have to remind Jason to, to explain them to others. Krakatoa is the well, name what of is the it? sound. But Krakatoa is also like a, a volcano or something? That's or like, correct. That's <laughs> correct. Yeah. So I named Krakatoa the sound that cats make when they observe birds outside, and they start to quiver their mouths and chatter and go like, that weird chattery like... Are they talking to the birds? Is it some clandestine cat language? So anytime I see my cats do that, I call it Krakatoa. <laughs> Your cats don't do it that often, though, do they? Do, Link, have they Links ever and done Julius like a do. real one? Yeah, Lynx and really? Julius do. Yeah, but of course, as soon as I reach for the phone and try and capture it, they stop because that's atypical, or I'm sorry, that's typical behavior for them, is having this moment that's like, oh my God, they're doing the Krakatoa. And I, re- I literally reach for the phone and they stop. It's like, thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, okay. little inside information about my life. Wait, so why did you? Oh, because you said you were going to crack open. You're going to crack a toe open. Yeah, correct. Okay, got it. Got correct. it. Okay. Well, before we started recording, Jason and I were catching up on life, and he said to me that he felt. Do you remember what words you used? I believe I could summarize, I, I, but I, maybe you I do don't better. Really, I don't really know what I'm doing in general. Yeah. Well, specifically. I mean, yes, in general and more specifically in my career right now, in my in my brand, my career, I know what I'm doing right now. I'm talking to you on a podcast and we're having an open conversation. I think it's more of an existential set of crises around, am I living my purpose and my dharma? Am I really surrendered to what my heart wants and what spirit, what God wants for me? Am I in alignment with what my heart truly wants? You know, I, I've just been really... This past week, but in particular the last three days, sitting with a lot of existential questions of purpose and alignment and dharma and all of those things. And I just, to be honest, I'm feeling a little bit lost right now. And it's really a a shame that Evie is barking in the background. I feel very... um, Triggered? No, I don't feel triggered. I'm just trying to ride out because I really want to be present with you right now. (laughs) Well, this is this is the pitfalls of a DIY podcast. Yeah, it is. Until we build a, a dedicated studio, this is life. Yep, this is. And, so um, I hope it's not distracting anybody else. So I thought I would just bring it up that I'm I'm doing my best to be present. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, this is just to break out of the flow for a moment. This is something that we've really prioritized with this podcast in our first few episodes, at least is just being really authentic about what's going on. And that's really the theme of of this episode. It's that we could stop and start again, but I think everything that you just said is is so important. Why why would we re-record it? 
why would we start again and, and, and try to, for you to recreate all of the truth that you just shared? So that's the reason that we're going to keep going. And hopefully we'll not have to pause again for Evie. <laughs> so why do you think that it's challenging to discuss this subject? Why were you hesitant to talk about that? When I suggested that we use this as the topic, what was it that came up for you as hesitation? People's judgments or the expectation of the possibility of judgment. That's like, more accurate. Like what though? Oh, well, Jason is however people perceive me, you know. I mean, usually people are like, oh, he's he's just the chef, He's the, which is a whole other thing that's been, I've been unraveling that is feeling pigeonholed and feel like people, a lot of people in life recently this year have been wanting me to quote, stay in my lane, whether they've said that directly or indirectly through comments. It's the same feeling I had when I started talking about my mental health and my depression and my anxiety and suicidal ideation a few years back was this thing of, you know. I'm going to stop you so I can get Evie because I don't think she's going to stop barking. Okay, we're back. I kind of feel like a a mother with a young child, and I'm trying to have a heart-to-heart with my friend. Have you ever had that, Jay? <laughs> As we get older and our friends start having kids. Totally. And you're, actually, this happened with a mutual friend of ours last year. I went over to spend some quality time with her, and I could barely get a word at an edgewise without her daughter interrupting us and wanting something. And it actually took a lot of deep patience for me to not like get really upset. And I realized... That it was just like my ego being annoyed that I wasn't the center of my friend's attention and that, you know, and I think especially with animals and with children, we have to be extra patient with them because their forms of understanding and communication are so different than ours as adults. And it's always (laughs) such a trying moment when the circumstances are not what we want them to be. And actually, I think that ties into a bit of what maybe feels challenging for you, Jason, is that sometimes we want things to be different than they are and we just resist and we resist and we resist and we try to control. And there are times where we can't control. I mean, really, as we've talked about so many times in the podcast, that we just we can barely control anything. We don't have as much control as we want or sometimes have as much control as we even think that we have. And so I feel like a huge part of life is just that ongoing surrender and perhaps For you right now, as you were talking about feeling maybe judged by other people, afraid to tell people what you're going through because other people have expectations of you, which is another theme that keeps coming up for us is expectations, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And so it's so fascinating to me when people don't want to live out their truth because they're afraid that they're going to disrupt somebody else's expectations of them. Yeah. I mean, the other side of this too is in the process of letting go, I've been really focused, particularly we're recording this episode in the springtime, in the spring, concentrating on letting go of not only material things, donating clothes, really lightening my material load, but, and also in terms of my career and what I'm focusing on creatively, what I'm focusing on energetically, where I'm investing my time and energy and heart into, I'm also realizing that there are things that want to be let go of there. And I think even more so than the possibility of other people's expectations, what's deeper and more terrifying to me in moments is if I let go of the things that I've been focusing on and the identity that I've held for myself and there's a vacuum created and I don't know what my identity is, right? In terms of the title or what, you know, what do you do? I don't know. 
I make stuff, I create. The terror is almost when we take something away that we've identified ourselves with for so long, then it's this weird discomfort, I think is the best adjective of how I feel right now, of not really knowing how to describe what it is that I am or what I am doing. And on the other side of that, though, it feels liberating. I think we talked about this in a previous podcast about titles and can we live without titles and assigning titles to things. There's the terror of when someone asks me, what do I say? What do I put on my bio on the internet? And also a freedom in not having to call myself anything or not having to assign a title. It's an interesting duality, I think, right now for me psychologically, because my soul, right, is like, you don't need to call yourself anything. You know, your eternal being, your isness is transcends all of this. It transcends language. It transcends whether you call yourself a chef or a podcaster or a coach or a musician or any of that crap. But the earthly part of myself is like, yeah, but then how are people going to relate to you and what you create? And if you don't know what you're doing, how are people going to... It's a really interesting dichotomy right now. I hope I'm explaining it succinctly enough, but I've just been feeling a lot of chaos inside of myself, a lot of chaos inside of myself. And I think there's also this big desire to get through that as quickly as possible because maybe society feels judgmental as a whole, or we perceive that society is not accepting of us when we are in a place of unknown, Yes. right? Yes. And so there's this rush to work through it as quickly as possible. Are you feeling some of that, you think? Or are you feeling shame for being in a place of perceived chaos? The discomfort is so profound in moments. I think that it's my natural automatic response to feel that much discomfort and want to shy away from it. Oh, well, if you just define what you're doing and have a word for it or come up with a phrase, then maybe you won't feel so uncomfortable. You know, I've sat down and sketched out something I, I came up with was omniscopic creative chameleon, which kind of felt cool. <laughs> that is cool. Right? It's like yeah. omniscopic. Okay. He has many interests. His horizons are broad. He's interested in many pursuits and many endeavors. And he's creative and he's a chameleon, which I've changed my career and changed who I am so many times in this life just to take an overview of what I've done in terms of career and money. I was reflecting on it the other day. It's kind of nuts, all the things I've done. So omniscopic creative chameleon is the closest <laughs> I've been able to come to of how do I describe like, well, what do you do? I'm an omniscopic creative chameleon. It doesn't really roll off the tongue, but it definitely incites curiosity. You could say creative chameleon, though. I like omniscopic, though. But I'll admit I didn't know what that word meant. What's well, you know who created that word? Who? Danny Katz, our friend Danny oh, Katz. Oh, okay. Link to the show notes. She's got a great book about conscious languaging, and she apparently created this word omniscopic. Oh, okay. So, so even I'm, more, most people would not know what that word means. Yeah, but it is something that when I say it, I'm like, oh, okay, this is closer to something interesting and more on the nose. Even if people don't know what it is, that's okay. But if I in my heart feel like it is more accurately describing my current state of being, then that's what really matters. And I think that's the thing, Wit, is I don't think I'm as concerned about other people's judgments or expectations as I am being clear about who I am and what I'm doing and making sure that my heart is aligned with it. That's, that's the bigger thing, truthfully. And since I feel unclear right now and I feel a little bit scattered and feel a little bit of chaos, that's the most unsettling part. Why? Because I think with clarity or a feeling of clarity, there's a certain amount of security in that of I know who I am and I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm focused on. And when these existential crises happen, these questions come, it's maybe I don't know who I am and maybe I don't know what I'm exactly here to do. And maybe through 41 years of life and all the moments I thought I knew, maybe I'm at yet another stage 
of, well, I don't know, shit. I had someone comment the other day, a few weeks ago, rather, on a, on a post I put about when we talked about this again on, on another podcast episode, which we'll link to about um, our childhood dreams and visions and how those might be relevant in our adult life. And I posted something a few weeks back and someone sent me, someone took the time to send me a direct message, basically being really unkind about what I wrote in the post and saying, really? yeah, bro, you're just having a midlife crisis. Don't make it bigger than what it is. Like a real, and he said some really mean things. And I was like, beyond that. Yeah. And I thought, Ooh, huh. who is this midlife person? crisis? Interesting. And, but then also was I it thought someone you knew, no, just some random guy I've never, never interacted heard from. With. Never, Interesting. never. He took the time to DM me on my, what do we even call it anymore? Business page on Facebook person, yeah. business page. And he wrote this whole diatribe about whatever, blah, 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 da, da, da. You're having a midlife crisis. No, no, no. And I was like, wow, am I? <laughs> am I? Is he, is he partially right? And well, first of all, do you even know if it's your midlife? You don't. We never know. I mean, that's that phrase ridiculous. drives me crazy. That's ridiculous. How it, it's like, oh, I'm only, <laughs> I'm only going to live till I'm 82. No. Um, but who knows? But the point was, I. But to me, even when you use that phrase. Midlife crisis. Yeah. It just shows that, well, I guess this is a judgmental thing to say, but it might, what I wanted to say is that it seems like it's coming from somebody who's, you, if they're using a phrase like that, they're already putting you in a box. Yeah. Right? They're, they're yeah. trying to confine you to society's standards of what's going on and, and trying to label you, right? Yeah. And the whole point is, is that you don't want that label. I don't. So when here's somebody coming along and and maybe shaming you. But as we know, logically, it's easier to say this than it is to face it, I think. But when we get feedback like that, especially from strangers, it just usually says more about them than you. But it's, I think when it hurts, as we've talked about in other episodes, it usually hurts because part of us believes that that person is accurate. So whatever they're saying about us, we think, oh, Maybe I am having a midlife crisis or maybe I am whatever else this person said. I mean, I kind of wanted to respond and say something, you know, in the moment, sometimes when people say unkind things, we wish we had a really creative retort or a reply to like put them in their place. <laughs> mm -hmm. When I think of a midlife crisis and we're getting tangential, but when someone says that phrase to me, you know, I think of like somebody in their 50s who's like, I'm going out and buying the Corvette, buying yeah, the Mustang, the buying the Lamborghini, right? Like the dude goes out. The cliche is usually the dude goes out and buys a sports car or like the woman goes out and gets plastic surgery or does some crazy shopping spree. Like the cliches exist. But, you know, for me, it was like, you know, I wanted to say something like, no, nope, don't have the Corvette yet. Check back in in 10 years. I think what midlife crises actually are and I think how they get misinterpreted is perhaps someone has chosen a life path or a career or a certain set of circumstances in their life without really understanding why or being connected to those choices. And there's a moment or maybe moments of lucidity that occur or an awakening that occurs in a person where they go, am I really living a life that is meaningful, that I feel connected to? And so I think that's just a convenient, dismissive, unkind way of labeling that, like, you're just having a midlife crisis. What I think it is, is potentially, depending on the person, some part of their soul is tapping on them going, hey, this isn't really what we intended for you and this isn't really what you're here to do and again the terror i think is someone who's invested decades into a profession maybe they're making a ton of money maybe there's a lot of security tied up in that the fears around providing for their family or maintaining the lifestyle they're used to i think part of the crisis is 
if I listen to this still voice inside that's moving me towards something else and I let go of what I know, what the hell's on the other side of that? Mm-hmm. What the hell is on the other side of that? Or maybe it's an awakening of getting to a certain point of, in your life and thinking, wow, I actually don't know how much time I have left on this planet and what am I doing? Right. <laughs> you know, I think right. I think that is often why the cliche of it happening in quote unquote midlife is thinking, wow, am I halfway through my lifespan? And again, we never know how much time we have. I don't, none of us are ever guaranteed any amount of time. There's something about the 40s and the 50s that are associated with this because that could, for the average person that is midlife, right? right? right. If people live until their 80s or 90s. And so it's this feeling of, wow, have I done everything that I wanted to do? Am I living the life? And I think part of this and one of our big, Missions with Wellevator is to really encourage each person that's taking in this information to tap into themselves and and live a life that's really meaningful to them, what they want and what feels good and know that you can feel vibrant and your health can increase. And there are so many things that can make life incredibly pleasant. And especially because life isn't always pleasant, right? Jason and I talk about in these episodes all sorts of times in our own lives where we get frustrated and confused and fearful and uncomfortable and all of that. And we just want to remind you that part of what makes it easier for us to work through those moments in our lives is our wellness practices. It's the ways that we take care of ourselves physically and mentally. And I mean, I feel like it's hard enough even when I'm in peak physical health. It's still incredibly hard to go through tough emotions. Yes. yes. I, and and for me, I feel like the past month or so has been really challenging for me and I feel like I've finally coming out to a period of some relief, some emotional relief. The discomfort has subsided and I was just noticing in the past couple of days just this wave of relief coming over me, but I still feel like I'm in a lot of discomfort. I'm trying not to be attached to how long that discomfort lasts, right? Yeah. Because that's part of it too, is as you were saying, when we feel uncomfortable, specifically emotionally, I feel like that is even more torment of a torment than physical discomfort. Because for me, at least physical discomfort, I'm very aware, most, except in the cases of very extreme pain or new forms of physical pain, Most of the time I'm thinking, okay, this is uncomfortable, but I've been through this before. I'll get through it. You know, it's not going to last that long, right? Every once in a while, I'll experience some physical pain that really throws me off and I don't really know what to do with myself. But it's still, for the most part, psychologically, I know that physical pain is temporary. But emotional pain, for some reason, that is really hard for me to convince myself that it's not going to last very long. So when I'm in emotional pain, it just feels awful. I'm just miserable, right? And so anyways, I forgot exactly where I was going with that. I was, oh, I was going back to the midlife crisis thing is I feel like maybe what happens for a lot of people is if they are not training themselves mentally to be okay in the discomfort of their lives, if they have not created a life around what they really want, if they've shaped their lives around other people's expectations of them, society, culture, family, and friends, and or reaching a goal and thinking that this is the only way to do it is to suffer and no pain, no gain type of mentality. 
which I think is pretty common, at least in the United States, is that we just have this mindset of, you know, I'm going to put in all this work and I'm going to get this outcome. As we've talked about, about in a lot of episodes, this idea of getting a goal and being, we're so goal oriented, we're obsessed with reaching a pinnacle of success, right? And I wonder if when this midlife crisis tends to happen, it's either the goals have already been reached and they have not found happiness, or they haven't found the happiness that they've sought no matter what they've tried. And then they're thinking, well, why am I doing all of these things that don't even make me happy on a daily basis? Which I think a lot of people live that life of just daily unhappiness. Yes. Right? Yes. And the more that I get a perspective on the world, the more that I am unsure if everybody can experience daily happiness. I think this one of the things that I took away from that book, Selfie, which I finally finished last night, and I've brought up in a couple episodes. It's such a great book. We'll put it in the show notes. And it actually ended a little abruptly, <laughs> in my opinion, without as much of a bow tie at the end, right? But one of the big things that I learned is just in that book, the author is just exploring kind of how Western people tend to be very self-focused, right? He talks about narcissism a lot in that book and why people become narcissistic and why people are so obsessed with their appearances and all these different things. And um, he also says that Western society has this idea that everybody can succeed. And if you just do this and follow this formula, you're going to get the specific outcome, And as I was reading, I was thinking, wow, I have had that mentality my whole life. I mean, that's the way that I was raised. I was also, I grew up in, he talks about in this book, how people that were born around my year and the way that kids were treated in schools and raised by their parents was generally to build self-esteem. The self-esteem movement was just picking up steam when I was a little kid and Jason too. Jason and I, how six years apart are we? No, In five. Age? Five years. Yes. So sometimes Jason's experiences are slightly, those five years, there can be a big gap there. But I think for the most part, Jason was also part of this self-esteem movement. And that's part of what makes this book Selfie really fascinating. I had no idea, right? But looking back on my life, I realized that self-esteem played a huge role And then what's crazy about this book is he starts to kind of debunk the idea of self-esteem in a really fascinating way, whereas I've kind of had this mentality of, if I just build my self-esteem, I can achieve anything that I want in life, right? And self-esteem is just going to be the thing that gets in my way. Right. And in the book, he actually, I don't know if it's a conclusion or just him exploring it, he is saying that that might not necessarily be the case. It's not that just getting great self-esteem is the answer. And he talks a lot about how we're very obsessed with finding answers and working on ourselves. And that book really (laughs) threw a loop in terms of how I was looking at my life and the lives of others. Wow. I mean, it's it's really a must read for anybody that's interested in narcissism and interested in social media. There's that's a big theme throughout the book, but also self-esteem and self-improvement. And for me, just I start to now I'm like looking back on the dates of when the books were written that I'm into and just kind of looking at the context that they had in that time and not taking them for granted. I think that's something that's so important when we're taking in information is who is writing this? When was it written? What were their sources? 
not just taking everything as a fact. And I took really my main point here is that I'm no longer have this absolute perspective that everybody can achieve happiness if they only do this, this, and that, or anybody can be successful if they just do this, this, and that. As we've talked about in other episodes, you know, there are plenty of examples of people that follow the formula and don't achieve all of those things that they're promised. And I think that that's part of like the big American myth. You know, we live in a country, at least Jason and I do, where most of us, especially if you're around the ages of Jason and I, most of us are under this belief that anything is possible. And I like that idea, but what if that's not true? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what if this is something that gets into the book, Jason, to go back to what, what you're experiencing is that maybe part of what's frustrating for you is this belief that you're doing everything that quote unquote right, and yet you're not getting the results that you want. And it's almost like if you don't get those results, then maybe there's something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, and that's, that's, that's honestly, you just saying it out loud is very accurate. And I think that to whatever degree or another, I have bought into a sort of formulaic approach in my career, you know, and my brand to the degree that in my mind, there have been moments where and if I track it back for this example, right? Well, you graduate culinary school and you work in a restaurant for a few years and get your feet wet. And after that, you either work in a restaurant or you open a catering business, open a catering business. And then maybe you make the next leap and do personal chefing. You start doing personal chefing. And then, whoa, what's this YouTube thing and social media thing? We got to do that. And then, of course, you start a YouTube channel. And then after YouTube channel, you start putting out eBooks. And then after you do eBooks, you do speaking appearances. And then after speaking appearances, you try and get a TV show. You get a TV show, then you get a cookbook deal, then you release an online course, then you blah, 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 blah. It's almost like there has been this systematic mentality I adopted of, okay, well, this is the next thing you do because that's just what you do. And then seeing other people in the industry subscribing to their sort of formula and thinking, wait, but is my formula right or is their formula right? Because they seem more successful than me. Maybe I've got the wrong formula. Maybe they've got the right formula. Holy shit, what am I doing? But to go back to like soul versus ego, my soul, at least the messages that I seem to get whilst meditating and in moments of clarity is like, just do the things that bring joy. Is this joyful? Not so much, is this the next logical step in your career or how much money is this going to make you? Honestly, the question lately for me has been, what is bringing joy and fulfillment to you first and foremost? And if it happens to bring joy and fulfillment to others, great. But I think one of the things I've been overly focused on is this idea of you create value for others and give, give, give to others. And like, what do they want? And survey my audience. And what do they want? But truthfully, I think a lot of it has done it. I've done that at the expense of not really honoring what my heart and my soul has been telling me to do because I've been so focused on building a brand and so focused on giving the people what they want that I haven't given myself what I've wanted in many instances. I'm not trying to sound like a martyr. You know, it's a choice. But as I'm reflecting on where I'm at right now in this moment of inquiry, it's sort of like I'm much like the perspective you got in from selfie. I feel like there is a shift mentally for me in what if I just focused on what my heart wants and if people like it and get value from it, great. And if they don't, great. But stop focusing so much on that, Mm -hmm. on what are people going to, how are they going to perceive it? Is it going to be valuable? Are they going to buy the book? Are they going to watch the TV show? Like being overly strategic and maybe somewhat manipulative about, yeah, 
giving the people what they want. Maybe I don't give a shit anymore, to be honest. No, honestly, and, and I'm just being really raw right now. Like maybe I just don't care about being so obsessive about giving the people what they want. Because truthfully, a lot of my audience, you know what they want? They want recipes. And you know what? I've released hundreds and hundreds of recipes and I don't really want to do any more right now. I may not want to do any more at all. And so if I happen to lose thousands of people on my social media or thousands of people on my mailing list, because I'm like, yo, guys, I'm not doing any recipes anymore. <laughs> I just don't feel, I'm glad you love them, but I don't in my heart feel like doing anymore. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And I've had people ask me, well, maybe you're just burnt out. I don't think it's that easy. I think that my heart is like, I don't want to put more creative energy on this. I've spent years doing it. I've given enough. My heart mm-hmm. doesn't want to do it anymore. Mm. I haven't really talked about this publicly. And I think we can resist what our heart or our soul is telling us. But at a certain point, we can't really run from it anymore. And going back to the terror of it, it's like, yeah, but you've built this brand and people expect food and recipes and nutrition from you. But part of me is like, I don't really want to talk about it so much anymore. I don't really want to talk about it because it's seemingly the first thing people ask is like, yeah, do you have a recipe for this? And what about this? And da, 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 eat this. And I love food. It's not that I don't love food. But recently, you know what I've just been getting the most joy out of in all this is not putting out recipes and filming YouTube videos and feeling like I got to keep up with the Joneses and do the rat race. It's just returning to making food at home and no one sees what I'm doing and I'm not shooting a video about it and I'm not making a picture about it. I'm just doing it for the joy of doing it. Not because there's this pressure to like share it or meet people's expectations or give them what they want. Honestly, like the past week or two, I've just been making food at home, really making food for the first time in a long time. And it feels so wonderful because I'm not feeling any pressure to share it or make it anything, or I need to get 500 likes on this, or I need to get a thousand views. I'm just making it because I'm like, oh, right. I actually do enjoy making food. The process of nourishing myself or nourishing someone else. That's why I started the joy of that. I think at a certain point, it became a thing. It's like, oh, well, now you've got a TV show and now you've got a cookbook and now you've got whatever, 40K followers. You got, you got to keep it up. There's this pressure. And I just kind of don't care anymore about that shit. I kind of want to just get back to like, what does my heart want to create? And if I don't share it and no one sees it, does it happen? If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did the tree fall? If Jason makes a recipe and doesn't share it on Instagram, did the recipe get made? You know, I, I feel like I'm just kind of in this flow right now because I'm trying to dissect what I'm feeling in my heart because there is a tendency, and I've talked to other artists and creators about this subject, and I'm wondering if you feel any part of this with, with your endeavors, where we start something and no one knows we're doing it, right? We're not anything. We're not a we're not an influencer. We're not a celebrity. We're not anything. We're just doing something because we feel passionate and our hearts in it. And we just love the act of creating the thing. Like the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> and then at a certain point, I don't know, popularity happens, fame happens, projects, there are, there's money involved, there's expectations involved. And for me, I've noticed that through all of those other layers that are on top of just the creative spark of the thing, a lot of joy gets lost. And I think for me, the joy got lost because it was all about keeping up appearances and you got to keep posting and you got to keep giving people what they want and don't lose relevancy and don't let people forget about you and all that other crap that doesn't really have anything to do with the original joyfulness of the creativity. And I think what's going on for me is I'm trying to get down to the center point of what feels joyful in creation, even if I'm not making money at it, even if nobody ever sees it, even if I don't have to do a big launch party for the damn thing. I guess I'm just trying to like cut through all the layers that have been built on top of my creative life 
and get to the heart of what I really want to express right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I think part of me feeling a bit topsy-turvy after reading the book Selfie is a huge part of that book. He talks so much about self-esteem. That's like a very big chunk of it. I feel like I could, I want to read the book again or at least just go through all of my highlights and take it in because I felt like there was just so much to absorb. And I was looking at that book as trying to understand where we're at with humanity and, and social media right now. That was the big draw of that book because I, I thought the book was going to be about why people take selfies and use social media and all of that. I mean, a really interesting recent example is that when the Notre Dame Cathedral was burning, so that that happened within the past few days before we recorded this. Now there's all these memes going around, kind of making fun of the response to that, which, again, this is a sensitive subject because, you know, this has nothing to do with Notre Dame and what I'm saying. The response on social media was there were a lot of people sharing their stories about how Notre Dame played a role in their lives. And <laughs> there was a bit of a cliche of Americans sharing photos from their trips to Paris and talking about Notre Dame, right? And I remember when the news first broke, I actually felt slightly compelled to go through photos. I don't know if I have any. I know I went to Notre Dame once on, while I was studying abroad, it was just one of those buildings that I appreciated and it was historic and, you know, it's something that I've thought about, but I'm not somebody that lives in Paris, a Parisian. So, like, I think it it's very different for them. It's part of French culture in a different way than it is for me as an American right. personally. Right. And I remember just having a moment thinking, oh, maybe I should share the story of my visit to Notre Dame. And I just didn't feel like it was that important. And then over the course of the few days after it, it caught fire... There was just this cliche outpouring of people, of American, a lot of American women sharing their stories of going to Paris and visiting Notre Dame. And then a few days after that, there was this, a few memes that have gone around of kind of poking fun at this and how it ties into what I was reading in that book, Selfie. We're just in this time where people feel the need to talk about their experiences very publicly as if they're trying to draw attention. And, and the memes about Notre Dame was it was like an opportunity for people to brag about their trips to Paris. And whether or not that was the motivation there, I'm not sure. But it could certainly be perceived that way as it's like, oh, great, I have an opportunity to tell everybody about how I went to Paris. You know, it's like, are we at this point in our culture where we're just obsessed with letting people know the highlights of our lives, right? We talk about how social media is this highlight reel. It's like, let's show our pictures when we look our best and let's post about our perfect vacations. Or maybe our vacations aren't perfect, but we're only going to post the pictures that indicate that they were perfect vacations. And when a tragedy strikes, a lot of people jump on it because they want to be included in the tragedy somehow. And so there's part of me that obviously can relate because I had that moment where I thought about posting about Notre Dame, but I just, it wasn't a big enough importance to me, so I didn't do it. And so when I saw other people do it, there was part of me that said, oh, I can relate to that. I know why they're posting this. They want to talk about these times. And then there's another part of me that's thinking, wow, like 
it is kind of like a self-absorption, like, oh, I'm going to use something horrible as an excuse to share my own story, right? And is is my story really necessary to, is this the right time to be sharing this story about Notre Dame, right? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, right? I don't know if there is an answer to that. I can understand why people posted and I can also understand why some people were making fun of the people that posted, right? It's kind of like there's two sides of me that view things like that. And I guess that's how I feel about social media is (laughs) I feel very confused and conflicted many times about what I share online and my motivation. You know, I can be very honest with myself when I'm posting a picture because I want some approval. I want people to see that I looked pretty. I want people to think of me as being a pretty woman. I want them to think of me as having a great life. I think most people would like others to perceive them that way. I think we can all relate to that desire. It's just a matter of do we act on it and how do we act on it and how much does that rule our lives, right? Is our lives dictated by the need to get validation on social media, the need for other people to see us as being a certain way, the need for us to be accepted and approved of and validated and all of that. I know I can relate to it. I just don't know how I want to participate in that and if I do, right? And going back to Jason's point about his career choices and the things that he's doing, it's like there's part of us that are driven by the need to be socially accepted and to have other people agree with us. And there's also part of us that wants to rebel and do our own thing and not worry about what other people think of us. And I think we're at a time in humanity where we, many people are probably feeling very, very conflicted because there's the tug and pull of those both feel both of those feelings, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think in sharing this, Jason, it's important for me to remind you that you're not alone because I feel that too. And to the listener, maybe they've been feeling the same way and they don't even know how to express it. And I, that was actually one of the reasons why that book, Selfie, was really fascinating to me is because it paints the whole history behind this and it dives into some perspectives to show that we may be just a product of our history right this is going back to ancient greece yes as the author goes into several times throughout the book like our behavior as human beings is very conditioned and programmed and shaped by the people that came before us and so We don't need to be so concerned about our behavior because our behavior is partially genetic and partially historic and partially cultural, nature versus nurture, all of these things. And I guess that's just another reminder to surrender and be like, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. I don't have the answers. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do things that feel embarrassing or shameful. I'm going to do things that don't feel right. Sometimes I'll do things that do feel right. And it's just a daily exploration of ourselves i suppose yeah and maybe does that take the pressure off at all to know that everybody's figuring out it's just some people are more vocal about trying to figure these things out than others i think that there's a massive pressure to keep up an illusion in all this in i know what i'm doing i've got it figured out i've got it on lock i've got my shit together as as we like to say but deep down the more that i meet people who are honest about starting a business traveling the world, raising a child, doing something they've never done before, the confusion and the terror and the willingness to do it anyway, that's more real instead of, "Eh, I know what I'm doing. I really feel like nobody knows shit and we're all just leading each other home and we're all trying our best to figure out what even life is, what even we are, 
I mean, we talk about purpose and life and mission and existence. These are things nobody has definitive questions to. We're still trying to figure out who we are and where we're from. All of us. We have theories. We have great theories. We have great explanations. But we're still trying to live into the questions. But maybe there's just no answers. And I think it's very odd. It's a conundrum because as human beings, we're a bit programmed to get answers and to things. And seek meaning and assign meaning yes, to things. exactly. Absolutely. But what if there really is no meaning and not in like this doomsday Nihilistic perspective? Way. Yeah, but really just there's no meaning in, in a freedom form way. Like there's no answer. There's no point. There's no meaning. And that actually makes life even more exciting. Like because as human beings, I think there's part of us that has such a desire to follow the rules and simultaneously a desire to break the rules. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so we live in this weird conflict where we're desperately looking for a strategy and answers and a path and guides and all of that. But yet we really just want to go off the path, too. So what if instead of trying to be one way or another, we could just be both, mm. right? We can follow the rules sometimes and go off the path other times, right? If we want to follow other people, great. But when as soon as we feel that desire to carve our own paths or do it our way, then why don't we just go do that until we feel like following somebody else again? Yeah. Balance. I think that's called balance. And also following moment to moment where we're being led in life, because having a fixed set of rules or a fixed set of behaviors is not really what life requires because life is ever changing, ever evolving as are we. So in a way, not knowing what we're doing is in perfect alignment with life because change is the only constant. So how could we possibly be secure and certain in every moment when life is constantly moving forward and constantly changing? There's a great book about this. I want to link in the show notes called, oh God, it's by Alan Watts, The Wisdom of Insecurity. Mm-hmm. The Wisdom of Insecurity. In it's great. Episode, it's yeah. like, he's like, look, life is evolving, moving forward. None of us know who we are, where we're from. We're all trying to figure it out. And every moment demands something new from us. So you can't have absolute security because things are constantly changing and moving. And so you can't have constant security or and I guess you can't be comfortable all the time. So you just have to learn to be uncomfortable and in the discomfort. Yeah. People like, do you have a plan? No, I'm winging it. What? Yeah, I'm winging it. We need to have a plan. Yeah, no, plans are cool, but I'm winging it. And, you know, honestly, or this thing that I've been doing for years. Yeah, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, I'm not. Are you you done with it entirely? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe yes. Yeah, I don't know. Not really sure. Not doing it right now. Yes. I mean, that's really, I mean, the big thing is that when you were talking earlier, I'm thinking, who knows if you're going to want to do recipes again? If you don't want to do them right now, just don't do them right now. You can always go back to them. Yeah. Why is there this view that if you stop doing something, then you can never return to it? That's so silly. (laughs) So, (laughs) right? I mean, what, are people going to reject you if you decide that you want to do recipes again? Oh, look at him with those mung bean croquettes. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for nothing for a couple of years. Are you going to lay croquettes on us, huh? <laughs> oh, well, we don't have the answers, but this but is we're us exploring. just figuring it all out. Yeah, we're exploring, yeah. as we all are. And we want to encourage you to question. You know, part of this life's journey is to be free thinkers and question if we are on the path that feels good to us, question what we are doing in life, question if our heart and our souls are in alignment with our choices. And so... We want to encourage you to have the courage to ask those questions and live into those questions and keep living to those questions because the questions lead to more questions. And there is a certain amount of courage and willingness that that takes. So if you are one of those people and you are questioning and you are opening your mind and your heart to the possibilities, kudos to you because we're all on this path together. So if you want more resources, dear listener, 
You can check out our blog posts and resources and courses at wellevator.com. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We are on all the major social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Wellevator again. And uh, if you haven't downloaded our amazing resources, we've got a great ebook on our website called I Am Enough. You are enough. You are enough. Oh, that's right. You are enough. Sorry. <laughs> yes, correct. I, I am enough. You are enough. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Whitney. And you can download that free ebook and subscribe to our mailing list. We send out new blog posts and inspirational messages and things to ponder every week in our newsletter list. So thank you for being with us for this episode. And Whit and I will catch you with another one soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.